It is Friday, February 16th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm Steve Fezzik. I was told there'd be Einstein bagels. I see none. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Steve Fezzik in for A.J. Hoffman, but we will have an A.J. Hoffman UFC best bet coming up later on in the program. Steve, good morning. Outstanding. You're not going to ask me to spell whoever he's betting on, are you? <laughs> no. Although, uh, no, no, I'm not going to ask <laughs> you to spell it, all right? Uh, we have a couple of top stories going on. It is All-Star Weekend in the NBA. I have a couple of plays that could intrigue people if you're looking to bet on the All-Star festivities in Indianapolis. Also, the awards market is open in the NFL. And that's actually where I want to lead off the show here with the Vegas lead is talk some football with you because not only is the awards market open, but we did hear from Cliff Kingsbury, the new offensive coordinator in Washington, had his first press conference yesterday. And I think he hinted at who we should be betting Washington to take in the NFL draft. Mm. But let's start with the awards market that has opened up uh, yesterday, widely available. You can bet these. Coach of the year, the favorite is, and I, I guess can't call him a first-time coach, but a new coach here in 2024, Jim Harbaugh, is the odds-on favorite to be the NFL Coach of the Year at plus 550, Steve. Did they move the Chargers into a new division? They did not. Oh, that, oh dear. They still have Justin Herbert, though. Probably not a good bet then. So, uh, Chargers over under, nine or nine and a half wins. To win Coach of the Year, probably going to have to win 11. You know what? I think I'd rather just bet the alternative uh, win total and go over 10 and a half, like plus 220, because if the Chargers win 11, no lock at all that he wins, obviously. That's a fair point. And look, Kevin Stefanski won Coach of the Year this past year, and it had nothing to do with – I mean, it had to do with the fact that he won 11 games, took his team to the playoffs, and had his starting running back out and five quarterbacks. Sure. So, uh, and you could certainly have a story like that make coach, win Coach of the Year, but you could also have the Coach of the Year just be the head coach of the best team. I don't necessarily believe that the Chargers are going to be the best team, and I don't know if they're going to have the story capable of the voters voting for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and the, and the idea is that the Chargers are chronically overvalued by the marketplace. So the the perception is not going to be, oh, Harbaugh came in and suddenly turned around a franchise you know that was hurting, like a Dan Campbell type of thing. I mean, the perception is that the pieces are in place for the Chargers to make mm-hmm. the playoff run. Yeah, and so whoever came in to be their head coach mm-hmm. is certainly inheriting the best situation. I mean, we, we talked about what Harbaugh would only leave Michigan to take that Chargers job because of Justin Herbert and the pieces they have in place. So I think that's interesting that he is the favorite to be coach of the year. The second favorite to be the coach of the year is Matt LaFleur of the Green Bay Packers. Did you see enough from the Packers at the end of the year and then in the playoffs to give you confidence in them going into next season? Absolutely. So I put the Packers at nine and a half for a season win number. Given that number, would you go over or under? Nine and a half in the NFC North. Boy, I think I'd go over because I feel like Minnesota's down, and I don't know what to expect from them. You know, Chicago 
is certainly up in the air. We don't even know who's going to be quarterback exactly. for both those teams. So and, I, and, I, and, I like the, and I like the idea of fading Detroit. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, clearly, obviously, Detroit and Green Bay would be the two um, yeah. favorites. Detroit probably be a 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's interesting is the third favorite to be coach of the year, and it's Raheem Morris with the Atlanta Falcons. We talked about it all offseason leading up to week one of the NFL season this past year. The Falcons were every Sharps darling. Mm -hmm. Everyone wanted a piece of the Falcons over, Falcons to win the division. Was that more so because of the schedule or because of the pieces that they had in place? I think more the schedule. They had a total cupcake schedule, and someone had to win that division, and it was logical to say that Atlanta could do it. And let's face it, you know, we looked at the games of the year lines, and we're like, holy cow, Atlanta's favored in like 11 of these because they're playing such mm-hmm. a cupcake schedule, and then they massively underperform. But they do have the pieces in place. Uh, that's a bridge too far to, to go with the, the coach of the year. There. So here's the Falcons' opponents for this coming season. We know the division games, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. talk about the Panthers, Saints, and Bucks. They play the NFC East, so they'll have the Cowboys and Giants at home, Eagles and Commanders on the road. And I don't, you know what? I I I I firmly believe. I'm sorry to interrupt here. It's it's too much when you start going through on the road and home. It okay, just does. It's only the home is only worth one and a half. So they play the NFC East. Yeah, I think that's sufficient. Yes, they pl- and they play the AFC West. So that means the Chiefs and Chargers and Broncos. Well, the Broncos and the Raiders are below average. Yeah, okay. So it's not, you know, I was thinking about this, and I was like, you don't want to play the AFC North, Mm -hmm. right? And you do want to play the AFC South. Yes. And you want to play the NFC South. Yes. So so you want to play the Southern Divisions, and you don't want to play the AFC North. And Mm -hmm. after that, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Okay, so you don't care about NFC East and then AFC West? I think those are two difficult divisions. Um, what's taking one? What, the, the AFC West is difficult, but I mean, you've got, like I said, you got Denver and you got the Raiders that are game below. You really, it's just because Kansas City's there. Yeah, yeah. The you, you, you get the Chiefs and you get the other three teams aggregate to. Okay. I, I'd be willing to bet. That's interesting. I'd be willing to make a prop bet. You can have the other three teams, and I'll bet you that they uh, finish five hundred or below. Those three teams. Five hundred. You don't think one of those teams is finishing above five hundred? No, I'd say the record of all three teams oh, combined, oh, oh. five hundred well, or below. Uh, yeah, I would take that because the yeah. odds are that probably two of the teams are going to be so how, seven wins. So how? Wins yeah. Teams. So how good a division can they be versus the the AFC North, where everybody mm-hmm. was good last year? That, that that that's a fair point. Yeah, I don't understand why Raheem Morris is the third betting favorite to be uh, coach of the year. MVP odds are up. Patrick Mahomes is the favorite. Josh Allen's the second favorite. It's the usual suspects Mm -hmm. there. Offensive player of the year, it's McCaffrey. It's Tyreek Hill. This is one that I want to talk about because you had a bet on this this past season. Defensive player of the year. Micah Parsons is the favorite at plus 500 right now. Mike Zimmer comes in as the new defensive coordinator. Mike Zimmer, RJ and I spoke about this yesterday, is known for having a very complex scheme that could possibly take a couple of weeks to to get going. He act, RJ actually recommended week one take the Cowboys opponent team total over because hmm. he thinks that it's going to be like a couple of weeks before Mike Zimmer gets this defense humming the way that he wants it to. It kind of makes me not so high on Micah Parsons to be the defensive player of the year. You know, well, the – you can't bet no. You can't bet no, yeah. Yes, but so, I wouldn't bet him right yeah. now. Yeah, and, and frankly, I'd like – I actually – I used to be really negative about all these, like, player award bets. Mm-hmm. And it's like soccer bets, you know, the house takes a huge vig. 
And the more I look at it, the more I'm like, ah, oh, no, there's there's good opportunities, but typically the right opportunities, like week two. You yes. know, they, yes. when, when something happens significant mm -hmm. and the market just doesn't react enough. Do you think with the emergence of, you know, like a, a site like PropSwap or these betting exchanges that there's opportunities in these future markets because you can get off of your ticket and, and maybe make some profit off of it? No, because PropSwap charges the seller 10%, mm. and which is an, beyond onerous. I don't know how they could make any money. I, great guys. I've met with them, mm -hmm. and I think they have a business model that's completely unrealistic. Think about it. Like, I can bet on a betting exchange, okay, like a profit. Yeah. LA 101, Okay. So how much commission do I pay? Zero if I put up an offer. Mm -hmm. How much commission do I pay if I take an offer? One percent. And they're charging 10 percent. Good luck with that. That can never develop into any sig sig mm -hmm. significant. The only thing prop swap really is valuable is, is the home run ticket, the ticket that's going to pay like 100,000. You know, you bet you bet a little bit. And let's say you parlay the winner of the World Series and the Super Bowl and the NHL, and you get all but one, and now you've got a ticket that's going to pay 100000 and you want to capitalize it. So then, it, then that does make sense, that it's worth, it's worth 100000 and someone's willing to pay 78000 for yeah. it, and, you can, and you're happy to have the 78000 because yeah, you course. know what? You're staring at zero or 78000 Yes. They, what do they say, a bird in the hand? Uh-huh, right? exactly. exactly. <laughs> there you go. Okay, NFL draft odds have been up. And I think there is a great opportunity here based off of what we learned yesterday. Cliff Kingsbury is the new offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders, and he held his first press conference yesterday. And when asked about what type of quarterback Kingsbury would like for that commander system, I mean, he joked around and said Patrick Mahomes, uh, obviously mm -hmm. a guy that he coached at Texas Tech. But he said this. He wants a guy that can, quote, escape and make a play. Here's what he had to say, quote, you watch those guys at the end, like when the money is on the table, you've got to be able to make some plays with your feet, move around enough to escape a bad play. It doesn't mean you've got to run like Lamar or Kyler Murray, but you better be able to move a little bit and buy yourself some time because the D-line, the rush as a defense these days is so good, end quote. Right now, the Bears have the number one overall pick. We don't know if they're going to draft mm -hmm. Caleb Williams or if they're going to trade out of that pick. Whatever they're going to do, we expect, the market expects, I should say, Caleb Williams to go number one overall. He's minus 900 to be the number one overall pick. The commanders are sitting there at two. Now, could Washington trade up to one? Sure, it's been done before. But if they stay at two, Drake May, the North Carolina quarterback, is the favorite to be the second overall pick right now at minus 170. Jaden Daniels... The LSU quarterback is plus 165 to be the number two overall pick. Now, I look at Drake May, I look at Jaden Daniels, and I'm thinking if Cliff Kingsbury wants a guy that can make plays with his legs, don't you think Jaden Daniels is the guy that he would want? To make those plays with his legs? You know, I'm thinking I really have to come in and do this show with you more often because you're making me so much smarter just <laughs> listening to you as I'm just, like, bobbleheading my head. And, yeah. and you know, also, it, what, what's really nice, we'll be betting on the draft soon enough, and this is, like, a great precursor mm -hmm. to kind of ground us on where the markets are here in February. And so as we go forward, we can look back on this and say, oh, remember when uh, – 
remember when May was the, the favorite to go second? Yeah. Because he, he could become the dog. I mean, these things flip all the time. Absolutely. With more information, I'm saying this information is out now, but no one's evaluating it because people still have the Super Bowl hangover. People are betting the NBA. People are getting into college basketball. They're not going to focus on betting the draft until April comes I think, around. I, I, and here's an opportunity to bet the Heisman Trophy winner who can utilize his legs at plus 165 to go second overall. Of course, he could still go first. <laughs> you know, it's like I've seen, I've seen and, Wash, and Washington could trade up and take I, Caleb Williams. I mean, there's a, there's a 7% chance, right, that yeah. that, that, that Caleb or, or 10% chance, whatever, that Williams doesn't go number one and that mm-hmm. train wrecks everything. But they, you're, you're right, you could still get there you know, in a really funky way. Yeah, yeah. so I think plus 165 might be I, uh, I agree. Based, yeah. And I love that that quote came out yesterday. Mm-hmm. And every, let's face it, everyone, no one's betting on the NFL right now. They're betting no. on other sports. And how many people are paying? Paying attention outside of Washington in a, yeah. uh, for a Cliff Kingsbury press conference. Exactly. Yeah. I know people tend to say this every year, but I'm feeling good about 2024. And whether you're looking for a bit of New Year sparkle yourself or a gift for someone else, and I got to say, I don't know if he'd love it, but AJ and a diamond earring. I just feel it. I just do. Blue Nile offers peace of mind with every purchase with some of the highest quality standards in the industry. And remember, quality matters because, let's be candid, at other places, at a lot of these jewelry places, you're not getting quite what you think you're getting. Well, Blue Nile has been around a long time and has satisfied customers for a long, long time. And the quality standards, the highest, some of the highest in the industry. If you've got questions, Blue Nile's jewelry experts are on hand 24-7. That's 24-7 via phone or chat. Experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile today at Blue Nile, the original online jeweler. Go to BlueNile.com to find the perfect piece today. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's RJ Bell for Rocket Money. Listen, you know, there's no locks. You know that for sure. But almost a lock is each and every one of you has things you're paying for each and every month that you don't use or aren't worth how much you're paying for them. There's a better alternative. And we have Scott Seidenberg with us to tell about one of his discoveries with Rocket Money. Yeah, discovered that I was still paying for an old editing software that I hadn't used in months. Let's be honest. It was years. And listen, be honest with yourself. Think of the things you've bought. Think about the times you've had a free trial and all of a sudden it auto-billed in and it's been auto-billing. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash RJ. That's rocketmoney.com slash RJ. Rocketmoney.com slash RJ. Well, Fez, now that football's over, and I mentioned people are betting the different sports, where are people gravitating towards now? Is the NBA seeing an uptick in handle? It's All-Star Weekend this weekend in the NBA. Is it college hoops? What's the focus now for a lot of these bookmakers in town now that the NFL is over? Gosh, I have to feel it's college basketball, right? Because we're almost at the con- at the point where we're going to have the conference tournaments. And so you've got two weeks of conference tournaments and then two weeks of March Madness. And so that month, I think, really... I think the NBA gets put on the back burner completely, and I think everybody for one month becomes college basketball becomes their focus. Would you agree with that or disagree? I think so because as 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 big as the NBA is, I feel like more people on a Saturday 
are betting college basketball mm-hmm. than they are the NBA. I mean, l- let's face it. Like, you can go to Circa at Saturday morning at 9 a.m., and they have 25 college basketball games up on the screen, and it almost becomes like an NFL Sunday where everyone's at the book betting all of the college basketball offerings there are. The only problem is is that college basketball just doesn't have many, like, name players like like Zion I feel this year you know mm-hmm. other than than Edie at Purdue doesn't it feel like it's a massively down year for college basketball am I wrong yeah I haven't paid as much attention as obviously someone like AJ has paid attention yeah. to it to, for me I'm just tracking the uh, what I call the system plays mm-hmm. is when we have the lower ranked teams that are favored over the higher ranked teams sure. and so I like to take advantage of those when when applicable especially when it's two ranked opponents because I found that to be the more profitable system. Mm-hmm. When there's an unranked team that's favored over a ranked team, that's like, I feel like there's not a lot of edge there anymore. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, the, numbers, the numbers will tell us. It's actually not that great. Uh, straight up is okay, but ATS, it it's, hasn't done as well in the past. I've, I've always felt it's just the heightened home court advantage that the game, like like literally when number 18 is hosting number four, that game has been on, you know, they've circled that game forever, you know, to be ready for it. So when Colorado, by the way, did not get the memo when they played Arizona a week ago. (laughs) So I'll tell you right now, if you are uh, an unranked team, so you are you have no rank next to your name. Your opponent is ranked, let's say, twenty five. They have to be ranked, so it's twenty five or less. I'll give you those updates. How smart is it? I'm old enough to remember when it was the top twenty. Like, let's just make them top twenty five. Hey, there's three hundred sixty teams, right? It, 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 I, I can see it one day being a top 30. Yeah. Well, here's the updated numbers. So when you are an unranked team and you are favored over a ranked team this season, 21 and 18 straight up, 18 and 21, though, ATS. Hmm. So not as profitable as it's been in the past. However, the system that I prefer is when both teams are ranked. So you have two top 25 teams playing each other, mm-hmm. but the higher ranked team or essentially the lower-ranked team, the worser-ranked team is favored over the better-ranked team. Yep. So, like, number 10 is the favored worst over number two. Fa- the worst team is favored over the better team. Yeah, because yeah, people yeah, get confused yeah. with lower I, rank, I, higher rank. Yeah. I, I basically say the higher number is favored over the lower number, yeah. right? This year, it's 9-5 and five against the spread, but 11-3 and three straight up. And those are all home games? Majority home. Some of them I are think, neutral sites. Yeah. But if you, just, if you narrow it down to just the home favorites— Nine and three straight up, seven and five ATS. It kind of makes sense too, because like you look at it, and it's like, oh, Kansas should they should be able to handle. Mm-hmm. They're they're only a two point favorite. All they got to do is win. Well, guess what? They're not going to win. Yeah, <laughs> and so I like I've been you know advocating some money lines on these favorites if it's a short because the ATS numbers aren't good, but nine and three straight up, ten and three on a neutral. These are good mm-hmm. straight up numbers when you have the two ranked opponents playing each other. So they find a way to win. They find a way to win, yeah. yeah. And if you look at Saturday's schedule in the top 25, uh, let's see if we have ranked opponents playing each other. We have number 25 Oklahoma is at home against number six Kansas. Why well, Now, I, I'm not a Ken Palm expert, but I think there might be a chance that Oklahoma could be a favorite in that game. And, well, and um, what is McCullers, the Kansas' best player, mm-hmm. or, or maybe second best player, is, um, you know, missed, missed the last game. So we'll see. He missed the Texas Tech game. Yeah. So we'll see if he's going to play. And that would be a scenario where number 25 could be favored over number six. I would take Oklahoma on the money line. 
as opposed to laying the spread. That's now, the that's the only scenario on tomorrow schedule that could come about. Now what's interesting is that my gut says Oklahoma's not very good, so they're not going to be favored. That well, so that so be, yeah. so there's it's kind of similar to like it, it, it may have worked in the past, but there's no way mm-hmm. there's no way Oklahoma should be favored against Kansas. I don't care that they're home and it's great system. Example tonight, Rutgers was laying for a while four and a half against Northwestern. I know Northwestern stinks on the road, and the and Big Ten home teams cover. But this is an example when Rutgers wins by three, that should have been a cover. But the point spread tax, because the big, it's been so hyped about how good at home the, the, the teams have been in the Big Ten, the three-point win resulted in a loss um, against the spread for Rutgers tonight. So this year, the uh, home teams in the Big 12, 41-36 and 36 ATS. You know, I think, let me ask you about this. Home I think- favorites in conference games, though. 29 and 29 ATS. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about the expansion of all these conferences and, and Maryland's having to go to Nebraska's and West Virginia's having to fly out to Texas's? And it just seems like that ex- excess travel really catches up to the road team more than the home team. Oh, 100%. And I, yeah. I think you're going to see that even in even next year. More so, right, with the with the expanded conferences. Sure, you know you, you you have a high level softball team that that, that you play on. When mm-hmm. you when you travel, like you don't play as well, right? I, I mean, it's right compared to being it's, in your backyard. It depends. It depends mm-hmm. on like you need. Uh, you certainly need to acclimate to your surroundings. Uh, for example, I mean, we're playing this weekend in Arizona, and it's an hour ahead uh-huh. in Arizona now. So. You know, game time is at seven. It's really six. So, <laughs> wondering how that's going to affect us. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No top twenty-five games in college basketball tonight. But as I mentioned, system maybe a system play on the schedule for uh, tomorrow and then Sunday. Taking a look at there's only two top twenty-five teams in action. Purdue's back in action on Sunday. I know they're your nemesis, Fez, but they're twenty-three and two this year. I got to imagine you're high on Purdue this year again. Sure, until the tournament rolls around, then I might c- c- pump the brakes. Um, for those who are unfamiliar, I put in an ill-informed Purdue money line bet against number 16 seed, and the number one seeds lowered their their records to uh, 156 and two. Yeah. Uh, so that was ugly. And by the way, they um, ugly game tonight against Minnesota. Purdue finally pulled away, one by double digits, mm-hmm. but they were down for you know a, a good amount in the first half and then early in the second half so Purdue looked um actually Minnesota just hit a whole bunch of shots so that was more about I think Minnesota playing well um we'll you know we'll see doesn't it feel like Purdue is going to like make you know the sweet 16 maybe the lead eight but if you had to last longer you'd much rather have Houston or Connecticut I think I'd much rather have Connecticut yeah Zach Eady by the way is minus 2500 to be the player of the year it's probably a good bet. I think, <laughs> I think I think that might be my next bridge. I mean, let me ask you this. What who would Zach Eady have to kill to <laughs> not be the player of the year, right? I don't think there's anybody else in college basketball that is going to be the, the wooden award winner. Yes. Like so I think you're right. If we're looking at uh implied odds here, it probably should be higher than twenty five hundred. Can I probably eat it Eady to Eady? Can I, like, lay 2500 <laughs> yeah. and lay five thousand with them again? I don't know. What if you like parlay I mean Eady and then no, I don't even want to get that'd be funny. Par- stuff like that. It'd be great to like party parlay him to win the wooden award along with every other award. Yeah, <laughs> the That's... big man award. Yes, there was just three games in the NBA last night as the league heads to the all star break in Indianapolis. 
in the Annapolis, right? Remember that commercial with Charles Barkley? I'm, I'm here with the crab cakes in Maryland. <laughs> yeah. when, when's the first round start? In the Annapolis. Uh, so just three games last night, including one that RJ and I spoke about yesterday, which was the Warriors and the Jazz. Both teams, Fez, were playing the second night of a back-to-back. And we looked up some numbers, RJ and I did. Well, RJ did yesterday. And we saw that this season, when the Warriors play a back-to-back, they were 7-3 and three to the over. However, the second halves were much lower scoring than the first halves. So we started to think, well, is the over an automatic play for the game coming up here you know, last night? And we said, okay, yes, because they're, they're going over by five points a game, right? Mm-hmm. And what happened last night? The total was 241, and it landed 241 and a half. Was the total? It landed two seventy-seven. I think that's more than. Five I think points. it went over. It went over. So that improves now to eight and three. The Warriors to the over mm-hmm. on the second of a back-to-back. But we said, you know what? When you look at the Jazz on the back-to-back, also both teams are coming on the back-to-back. The second half scoring is actually less than the first half scoring. So the second, and it was actually pretty strong. How much different the second half was than the first half. So we said second half under is actually the play. And then we talked about the idea of scooping and going first half over, second half under. I just played the second half under. It was 122.5 before the game. It was 123.5 live during the game. It got there, you 122 know in the second half. You know what's half. the most shocking thing for this, and I'm sure this is based upon team totals for the year mm-hmm. and not the situation. The first half, you made a strong case, high-scoring first half, yeah, lower-scoring second half, exactly what happened. First half total is 118. Second half total is 122 and a half. Yeah. So the first half total is actually four and a half points lower mm-hmm. based upon, I'm sure, these teams. Um, I'm sure the, the bookmaker just looked at their season to date first half versus second half averages where these teams are higher scoring in the second half, but not in this circumstance. Yeah, there was a real opportunity to uh, scoop yesterday, you know, mm-hmm. yesterday, and we didn't. But I, I'm glad I hit that second half under. But I was thinking about it. I was like, man, like, that's a real opportunity to scoop and do first half over, second half under. I tried to parlay it. They wouldn't let me parlay it before the game, but I probably just should have straight bet it because also, now tell me what you think about this, and I know what your answer is going to be already, but I should have waited till halftime to bet the second half under, correct? If, if my theory was that the first half was going to see a lot of points scored. Probably because if the first half, like, when the, what, what, what's, what's interesting, so the first half went way, way, way over. Way over. over way and, over. They, and they didn't adjust the second half. They still, Only one point by one point. So they did it. Yeah, it so went they, from 122 and a half to 123 and a half. Okay, so this is, here's how I would bet this. So if you're betting and you're, and you're shopping the, the books, and not very, very many have them, mm-hmm. okay, that, uh, as far as the second half. If everybody's dealing a 122 and a half. Just you mean like pregame, pregame. Pre-game, yes. And you're right, not a lot of books offer them. If everyone game. was dealing 122 and a half, I'd wait, okay? I'm not getting any help. But let's say I've got three books dealing it, and one goes 122, one goes 122 and a half, and one goes 123. All right, now I got disparity. So if I have disparity mm. in the lines, then I will fire beforehand. If, if I've got uniformity or if I only have, like, one book that is dealing it at the time, I'll wait. And that way I'll have more books to be able to shop for the second half. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I thought about it while the game was going on. I'm like, man, I bet you after this first half, like the second half is going to be much higher than what I got before the game. Turns out it was only one point. Now that one point almost came into play because I was sweating out a final, the final play of the game. And it lands 122. Just a, just a little bit. Yes, pre-production. Yeah. So let me ask you. I, I am like the old guy. Get off my lawn. Uh-huh. I am not a fan of Indianapolis for 
having Final Fours, okay. for having NBA All-Star Games. Now, I get it. The media people love Indy. because It's a convention city. All the hotels are connected. And they don't there. care about the fans. All they want to, they care about is themselves, and mm-hmm. they want to be make mm-hmm. it easy for them to do their job. But the bottom line is, shouldn't it be about the fan? And if it's about the fan, I'm going to make the case we should never have a Super Bowl in Minnesota, Indianapolis, or Final Four. We should always have it in Pasadena or, sure. or Vegas or Miami. Mm-hmm. Have it at a destination, or Arizona, a destination that's very weather-friendly, fan-friendly. Your thoughts? Oh, 100%. Hmm. But the thing about a city like Indianapolis, and I've never been there, but from all reports, like you don't even have to go outside because all the hotels are connected, everything's connected, and it goes right, so, to, the, so right can, to the field house or whatever. So I can go bowling inside or, whatever, or, or, or go to Applebee's <laughs> right, right. inside, right? That's fantastic. I don't get – you, you hear what I'm saying versus yes. – and even in Vegas, like, I'm, we got unlucky. It was a – and this actually happens. It was cold. It's, because a lot of times I have my buddies come out and we golf right after the Super Bowl, and it's, it's remarkable how – about a week or two after the Super Bowl, it can be really nice in Vegas, but it's never nice the first week in February. It's just a little bit too yeah. early. Yeah, yeah, it was it was freezing. I saw Super the Bowl NFL too. experience. If you missed it, like at the old Mirage, and now it's the Hard Rock, mm-hmm. and it's outdoors, and you like climb this mountain, and like I don't know what the people are well, doing. Well, it's not it's not the Hard Rock yet, right? Yeah, it so it's the be. Mirage. Yeah. It, it's where the it's where the volcano was. All right, so now they they built a little. They mount- built the Paramount Mountain there. Yeah, right. Well, I've never seen so many people who are paramountly. You know, cold and unhappy, <laughs> waiting in line, shivering, and like, and thinking they're, they're wearing shorts. They're just not, you know, it was 45 degrees. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is NBA All Star Weekend in Indianapolis, and uh, the All Star Saturday night is going to take place at Lucas Oil Stadium, where the Colts play. But the All Star game on Sunday is going to be where the Pacers play in the actual NBA arena. So they're doing Say two, that again. two locations. Say that again. So, th- so All-Star Saturday night, which is three-point contest, dunk contest, Rising Stars Challenge, all that stuff, that's going to take place at Lucas Oil Stadium. Won't that hurt the backdrop for the three-point shooters? They always say. You now, know, that- I looked at the configuration for the, for the, what, the setup, mm-hmm. and they have half of the dome curtained off. So that, that will help. And them. they yeah. have basically on one side of the dome, they have two full courts set up. Okay. And I assume that that's for player shoot-around and then also fan experience. Like, I'm sure they're going to have a whole NBA fan experience. And then the other side is where the main court is for the actual, you know, festivities for All-Star Saturday night where everyone's going to be in the stands and there's a big curtain in between. So this is actually really clever, I think, because if you held the game – like at Lucas Oil, right? It, it it would disrupt the flow of the game. I think in a, playing mm-hmm. in a football arena, and but and basically what you're saying is anyone who wants to attend can attend. Yeah. Right? Also, and, and 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 let's face it, I'd rather watch All Star Saturday Night, you know, because the dunk contest, the three point contest, even the Rising Stars Challenge, I'd rather watch than the All Star Game because I don't know, I, I, betting on the All Star Game is kind of what, whatever. I know this year they actually. Or they did away with the Elam ending for the All Star uh, game, so it's returning to a traditional format. But they're still using the Elam ending in the Rising Stars Challenge, because in the Rising Stars Challenge, and that's actually where I want to actually um, give you my first All Star game bet. Okay. Okay. So let me explain the NBA's Rising Stars Challenge and how it's going to work this year. There's four teams competing in a mini tournament in the rising stars challenge three teams are comprised of first and second year stars in the nba 
coached by Pau Gasol, Team Pau, uh, Tamika Catchins, Team Tamika, Jalen Rose, Team Jalen. The fourth team, coached by Detlef Schrempf, Team Detlef, is comprised of NBA G League players. Mm-hmm. So we have three rosters of NBA first and second year players, one roster of G League players. The format is the teams will play each other to a target score of 40. Mm-hmm. That's like an Elam ending. And then the championship game, the two winners play each other to a short game target score of 25. Okay. My bet is Team Pow to win. Now, they are the betting favorite. And you can get these odds, uh, FanDuel, DraftKings, all, BetMGM, they're all over the place. Plus 120, Team Pow to win the All-Stars, Rising Stars Challenge. Why do I like Team Pow? First off, Victor Wembenyama is on Team Pow. Okay. So I like Wemby to, to show out here for, for the NBA fans. A couple of blocks, you know, whatever. Most importantly, their first game is against the G League team. What are they? Is there a lineup on that game? No. Okay. There's, but you're cause, saying because the target scored a 40. I don't know if they're going to do a spread, but. So, you, so you're basically saying the one plays the four and the four is terrible. I'm saying one team has G League players, sure. the other team has Victor Wembenyama. Oh. <laughs> so, and here's it's logical. Here's the roster: Wembenyama, Brandon Miller of the Hornets, uh, Jaime Jaquez, a good player, a couple other guys, Brandon Podzinski and Jabari Smith Jr., Carson Wallace. The, the only concern I have is is they're only going to play for a quarter and a half because it's whoever gets to forty. They just got to get to forty. When Binyama could score rather, 40 by himself. I'd rather that it was a race to 100, though. Yeah, that's you, true. You, that's so, true. Do you so, think maybe if the G League players come out and start shooting threes, the next thing you know, they have they can get the 40 Well, points. there's not going to be a lot of defense played. So I would agree with that. But if there is, but you're, when you're, Binyama's there. But your your handicap is is logical. Let me ask. So if they, in the finals, are they going to be like minus 120, you think? They'll be a modest favorite? I don't know if they'll offer live no, what, what uh, odds. Should it be? But what should it be? I, I would assume it would be. Yeah, something like both teams would be as close to even as possible. Yes. Minus one ten. Cer- it's certainly logical. Well, mm-hmm. Let me let me just ask the the poor G League players that yep. to support this. They're probably twelve to one, right? They are G League players or plus eight fifty. That would, could be the worst bet in the history of the NBA, then, based upon what you're saying, because you're 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 saying Wembenyana and company are going to win like eighty five percent of the time, right? I be, I think yes I believe yes. so because I think they're getting to the finals. So you're saying the G League guys should be. I think be... I think the reason why Pow is the the pick here is mm-hmm. because the, the fact that they're playing the G League guys in the first game, I think I have a I think I have a pass into the championship game. Mm-hmm. So in the championship game, I'm getting plus one twenty when it should be minus one ten. Yes. Yeah. That's why I think Pow. Which means the G League guys should be like plus nine hundred in the first game, not to yes. win at all. Agreed. Okay. So that's the bet to avoid at all costs. Yes, and the other teams are plus 240, Team Tamika. Jalen Rose's team is plus 310. I want no part of those because I don't know who's going to win between right. those two. Sure. Like, granted, Team Tamika's got Paolo Boncaro, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Keegan Murray. Jalen's got Chet Holmgren, I'm Benedict sure Matherin. I'm good sh- players. I'm sure there's a right side in all these games. But I want no part of those two good, teams. Good luck to whoever can figure it out. The, yes. only game, the only team I want a part of is the team that plays the G League team, and that's Team Pow. So I think Team Pow gets a buy into the championship game, and then you got a plus 120 bet so in the you're championship gonna have, game. So you're going to have more action in on Saturday than the actual game on Sunday? Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I've already bet the game on Sunday. Okay. 
Uh, but but continue so on Saturday's festivities. All right, you have I got more? yeah, I got another bet. Oh, talk to me now. This one actually, I love that team pal bet, but I think, and maybe it's the conspiracy theorist in me, but I think I like this bet a little bit more. Right now, you can bet on the Steph Curry Sabrina Ionescu three point shootout. Okay, they have set the total number of points. Between Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu, over under 45 and a half. All right. I think the over's free money. Okay. Here's what. What's Steph, what's Steph average? I don't care. Okay. These, the NBA wants this to be a show. The last thing they want is for Steph to embarrass her, right? Where she misses 10 shots in a row mm-hmm. and Steph you know, comes away with uh, 27 points in the first round and she comes away with 12, they don't want that. I'm not saying that the rims might be a little friendly or maybe spread open a little (laughs) bit more. Like, if there's a way to have a thinner rim, just make the hoop a little bit bigger, like one inch bigger. Well, you think about how think about how deadly of a shooter Steph Curry is, and also Sabrina Inescu, who last year in the, the WNBA three point shootout was incredible. Right? Like, think about how good a shooter they is, are. All you need is a loose rim. All you need is if you give them a quarter of an inch on each side of the basketball, like it's just a bigger rim. They're draining every shot. I you think know, this flies over 45 you know, I'm and a half. thinking I'm thinking like like for years they said like at the Yum Yum Center like in you know um Louisville? Yes, that, yeah. they, that the rims were so tight that no one could shoot, you know. So you would certainly expect if all it takes anyone that like shoots from the outside and you you hit that shot off the front of the rim mm-hmm. and it goes stoink or it goes doink and, and falls in, right? I, I just think like again, I'm not saying it's going to be fixed or whatever, but mm-hmm. if there was ever an event that they want to put on a show, it's this. They don't want her to be embarrassed. They don't want this to be a, a laughable thing and say, why, why are we even doing this event? Mm. I think both of them put up well over 20 points in their respective rounds. That includes those deep, you know, starry shots that they're calling them because it's sponsored by oh. Starry, now, is this which, be which after, used to be Sierra Mist. Is this uh, going to be after the three-point shootout or before? I don't know the order of events. Because could you not test your theory first and see, like, obviously they can't switch out the baskets, so. Well, what if they do use, I told you there's three different courts. Yeah, in that's soil. true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Might be a totally different court. They, might be, to, they might be using, like, the main court for the the three-point you, shootout. You probably and then they bet, have the Steph versus Sabrina on a second court You probably want to bet this earlier rather than later, right? Because the public is would bet over not under right mm. so probably get to it bef- if you're going to bet it before it so plays. first off let me just uh clarify the rising stars challenge that is tonight it is at nine o'clock eastern time tonight semi-final number one semi-final number two so that bet is team pal that is tonight plus 120 starts at 9 p.m eastern time so you want to get that bet in saturday is the All-Star Saturday, and the order of events is the starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time, the Kia Skills Challenge is first, then the Starry Three-Point Contest, then Steph versus Sabrina before the Slam Dunk Contest is the final event. Question for you. Isn't there a little bit of, like, Super Bowl fatigue? Shouldn't they have the All-Star game, like, not be the week after the Super Bowl? RJ brought up this exact point. Really? He's a very smart man. He said that don't you want people to tune into your sport this week 
and then maybe next because the trade deadline is this past week. So don't you want to have a week of games and then have the all-star break, like when people are now like whatever? Oh, but March Madness is coming. But that's not the point I, I brought up. I didn't think of that. Yeah. My point was this weekend, you all eyes are on you. Yeah, that's And true. so you want to like, attract everyone to watch the all-star festivities, especially all-star Saturday night, because there's no football this weekend. Yeah. And, you know, what are you going to – what are people going to – Yeah, And there college. isn't even college basketball tournaments. Nothing. There's no conference tournaments. Nothing. So I changed my mind. Yeah. Fine, fine. So, but I, I don't think Kelsey and Swift are going to be able to make yeah. it, though. No. All right, so that's the schedule we have tonight is the Rising Stars Challenge, 9 o'clock Eastern time. My bet, Team Pal, plus 120 to win the event. And then tomorrow night in All-Star Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. That is taking place at Lucas Oil Stadium. By the way, the Rising Stars game is going to be in the arena, the Gainbridge Fieldhouse, where the Pacers play. Mm. So they're playing in the arena. All-Star Saturday night is at Lucas Oil Stadium. All-Star game on Sunday is back in the uh, Gainbridge Fieldhouse. What is your bet that you put in on the All-Star game? So I bet both sides. I played for the middle. I played over 363 and under 368. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, it, it's going to be really hard to hit a middle when the total is almost 400. Mm-hmm. But it's five points opposite. The East Coast thinks it's going to be lower scoring. The West Coast in Vegas thinks it's going to be um, much higher. I, I, I'm DraftKings has 362 and a half. Yeah, so DraftKings is low. Yeah. All, so the East Coast thinks there's going to be some defense, and Vegas thinks no, where you've got, you know, and this is interesting. I was talking to my friend Jared Smith, great guy. And Jared was like, I, I've heard unreported rumors that somebody bet like 100,000, you know, on the under on the East mm-hmm. Coast. You know, they're, they're bombing the under. And, he, and he's like, I'm sure you could get a big bet. He saw the 368 and a half at Westgate. He's like, I'm sure you could get a big bet here in Vegas, you know, on the under. And I'm like, Jared, it 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 just um it if it was up to me, son, like the Springsteen song, you know, I could I give you whatever you want, but like on my app, I could bet it for two hundred fifty dollars. I'm sure at the window you probably could get a thousand. If if like you see this on Twitter all the time, you see guys posting like driving Lambos and they're posting tickets like NBA All Star Game, twenty thousand dollar total and the like. <laughs> it's like to use that line from The Sting. If you ever watch the nineteen seventy three movie The Sting, one of the poker players gets cleaned out and he's complaining about his bad luck. And Paul Newman says, ha, you think they let you play in this game if they didn't know you were a sucker? You know, <laughs> same thing. So you, when you see a guy betting big and showing his, his pictures, it's because the sports book does not respect his action. They would never let him bet that big on something like an exhibition game. I agree with that. And I do like the over only because no more Elam, Elam ending. So, yeah, and I look, they can score I, as much as they want. So, so, so because of the Elam ending, um, there's only 359 points last year. Yeah. But they scored 191 in the first half. Mm-hmm. So, let's see, 191 times two, that should be 382. Yeah. That's, um, that's why I like the over. Yes. There's no Elam ending anymore. Hey, I, I agree. Let's take a look at hockey. Just one game on the ice tonight. The Hurricanes are at the Coyotes. Carolina's minus 195. Taking a look at this weekend, some interesting games that are at least on my radar coming into this week the boston bruins had the best home record in the nhl with only four regulation losses on home ice well they have now lost three straight games at home three nothing to the capitals three two to the lightning and four one last night to the kraken they're off tonight but tomorrow they are back on home ice nationally televised game on ABC against the Kings. It's it's one thing to have a, a good team that's going to be favored on home ice 
It's another thing to have the motivated, good team that's favored on home ice. Boy, I got to think, as even though Boston, again, three straight losses, that's very not like them. But if there was ever a spot for them to be motivated, it's going to be tomorrow, nationally televised game on home ice. All complete- it is also, Fez, they're playing the L.A. Kings. The Kings are on an east, east road trip. Puck drop for this game tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. Pacific time. How long have they 1230 been? 12.30 how long have they been? The Kings been on the East Coast. Of, are they are they acclimated? The Kings. This is going to be their third game on the East Coast. They played at Buffalo. They were at New Jersey last night, and they'll be at uh, Boston. So not as good as if they just arrived. Not as good as if it was their right, first. But game. Still good. Yes. But still, this is an early game. So you know what I'm going to ask? It's like it's this is all logical. What the heck happened against the Kraken? Did they outshoot? The Kraken, they just got unlucky because they, when they were 0-2 at home, they should have shown up in that game. And I talked about this last night that I thought that this would be uh, an incredible mass-motivated spot mm-hmm. for them, losing two straight. Uh, the problem is they outshot the Kraken 37-26. to Joey Decord had an incredible game in net. Well, that makes me feel a lot 35 better. saves. That makes me feel so, much better. So they should have beaten the Kraken, and they lost, and now they've got three straight losses, and now they're going to whack the Kings with an oyster. And, and in the first period, so one of the bets that I gave out on pregame.com last night was the first period in this game under uh, one-and-a-half goals. Mm-hmm. I was debating between the game under five-and-a-half or the first period under one-and-a-half. I looked at the numbers, and I said, man, you know, Kraken starts slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston has been incredible defensively, not, not allowing a ton of shots. I think first period under is the way to go. Boston gets a goal early. It's one nothing. The Kraken get a power play, and they score a goal, making it 1-1. It's 1-1 until, like, the end of the second period. But when the Kraken scored, <laughs> scored at one point in the first period, there was, like, two minutes left in the first period, the Bruins were out shooting the Kraken 14-3, to mm. and it was a 1-1 score. <laughs> and I said, three shots on goal, but one of them happened to go in on a power play? you got to be kidding me. But, uh, yeah, to see Boston play the way that they did last night and lose, i got to think tomorrow is the, the spot to back them. And about what would the price be? Is it up? No, it's not up yet, uh, but it, they'll be favored over the Kings. And I, I would assume it's a small favorite. I would say in the 130 range. Minus 130. Yeah. yeah. That's what I would say uh, in, in that range. My, go- uh, my goal in 2024 mm-hmm. is I, I tell everyone, like the bookmakers obviously don't say the, the minus. They just say, oh, they're going to be 130, and it just lends itself to mistakes. So I'm like, always say the minus. I yes. don't care how obvious it is, say the minus. Uh, also, tomorrow night, our Vegas Golden Knights host the Carolina Hurricanes. The Hurricanes playing tonight in Arizona and then have to play the second of a back-to-back in Vegas tomorrow night, I would look to fade Carolina on the second of back-to-back, backing Vegas at home. Can I fade Carolina when they leave Vegas also? Is that still working with teams? We do like the Vegas flu. Yes. (laughs) We do like that. Even though A.J. Hoffman has not been here the past two mornings, he is always with us, and he has blessed us with a UFC best bet for tomorrow night. UFC 298 this weekend, and man, do we have a fantastic main event as Alexander Volkanovsky takes on unbeaten Ilya Taporia in the main event. And I'm going to back Volkanovsky here. I'll back him all the way up to minus 145. This is one of the best fights the UFC could have made, and, and I think we're getting a slight bargain on Volk given how he looked against Makachev last time out. It's important to remember he took that fight on very short notice, was the smaller guy, he was just at a massive disadvantage. And I'm not going to say anything bad about Ilya Taporia, one of my favorite fighters right now. 
But this is a massive step up in competition from him, uh, for, from a guy like Josh Emmett, who was his previous toughest opponent. For Volk, he, he's been, been in there against Makachev twice, Max Holloway three times, Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez. He's been in there with the best of the best. He's used to these bright lights and rarely has he faltered. I, we're getting him you know, less than minus 150. I, it just feels like great value here. It's not going to be an easy fight for either guy. I think it probably goes the distance. So if you like the over three and a half rounds prop, I do think there's uh, some value in that as well. But I have to go with the more experienced guy here. There's jokes about how old Volkanovski is right now. I, I think that's an advantage in this one. So give me Alexander Volkanovski in the main event at UFC 298. Speaking of old, AJ, how old is Henry Cejudo now? Henry Cejudo is now 37 years old. And... Like I was just talking about Volkanovski and his age, and he he uh, Volkanovski just recently turned thirty five. He is an older dude, but when you're older and you're a wrestler, the the first skill to go as you age is wrestling. It's very hard mm. to co- to continue competing at a high level of wrestling. Uh, I, I heard someone say that if Henry Cejudo showed up at the Olympic trials today for wrestling, and Henry Cejudo, mind you, is an Olympic gold medalist he would not score a point uh, against today's <laughs> Olympic qualifiers. Like he's, that's, it's just wow. how fast it goes. And um, I, I, you know, Volkanovsky not being so reliant on his wrestling, his age, it worries me less. I, I mean, Cejudo, everything, every advantage he hopes to have against Davalashvili, I, I feel like Davalashvili is just a younger, better version of him. So uh, this could be a rough, a rough night out for Henry Cejudo. It may, may be the end of Henry Cejudo at 37 years old. If you want A.J. Hoffman's UFC card for this weekend, it is up on pregame.com, and we're going to give you 20% off that purchase. In fact, 20% off any purchase at pregame.com. Use the promo code CAGE20. Step into the cage with A.J. Hoffman. CAGE20 gets you 20% off, not just that package, any package on pregame.com. 20% off using the coupon, coupon code CAGE20. For AJ Hoffman and his UFC best bet, Steve Fezzik, who helped us out this morning. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.